This is GKW. Welcome to another edition of Good Karma Wrestling. I'm Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee. Brian Rowitz on assignment this week. So it's just me. And from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, he is Jonathan Hood. Although hey, ESPN good, to see you. good to see you, my friends. Good to see you too, buddy. Um, also, make sure you join uh, Jay Hood. You know, he's on Sirius XM, busted open every Sunday, 9 to noon Eastern time. So uh, make sure you check that out on a regular basis as well. Yes. Yeah, speaking of, uh, of busted open, I busted open this box here. Just as we start our show, guess what just came in? What do we got? Oh, look at that. JR's barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the barbecue, Gabe Knight. So, no, the main event mustard also has come in. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, a lot of barbecue sauces are mustard-based, so it makes sense that he would have a mustard as part of the line. And the all-purpose seasoning has also made an Ooh. appearance in the Hood household. So uh, if you'd like to, I would have, I'll would have i hook this up and have it sent to Milwaukee if you'd like to have some. As, as JR takes care of us, but it's a nice holiday gift for yours truly. How about you? Want me to get this sent to you as well? Yeah, sure. We'll we'll take some. You know, I'm I'm I've always got the uh, the smoker fired up. I'm always looking to try some different barbecue sauces on the different things I'm throwing on there. Let me just tell you, no, no plug. I'm just saying because Jr. is a friend. That Chipotle ketchup restaurant, yeah, it is really good. All right, good to know. A lot of things happen in the world of professional wrestling, even though we're, you know, I feel always December is kind of like a dead time for pro wrestling. Like WWE, for the most part, just kind of washes their hands and like, all right, you know. Well, we'll get to January. We'll start building for the Royal Rumble. We'll figure it out then. And, you know, it just it, in December, it's kind of a dead time for the professional wrestling. But it's not the case. AEW has the Continental Classic going on. CM Punk returning to WWE clearly has, um, you know, a, a big boost for WWE. The only problem with CM Punk's return, and as a lover of the Royal Rumble, I felt that a couple of weeks ago, it was wide open. You could have had a number of different people win the Royal Rumble this year. Right now, it kind of feels very limited in terms of the winners suddenly, Jay Hood. So I'm going to ask you, where we start today, pick the Royal Rumble winner. Are you taking Punk or Cody combined, those two, set them aside, or are you going to take the field? Are you going to take the other 28 wrestlers which have yet to be announced? We have two announced in Punk and Cody. Are you taking the field? See, the way it's written, Gabe, they make it seem like only those two guys. However, we got to go through the contenders, and and then try to make it make sense for WrestleMania. Okay. Yeah. So we'll start at, we'll start with LA Knight, which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. We'll talk about LA Knight. Hot as fire. He hasn't necessarily been set aside, but there's other attractions. Here comes Randy Orton and here comes mm -hmm. Steve Punk. And it makes it very interesting. Going back to your original point about um the fall and winter months, you want to have a big splash in the fall, especially with networks involved. Mm -hmm. For the last 10, 15 years in professional wrestling, you want USA, you want Turner, you want them to be like, wow, this is really great for October. Something against Major League Baseball, something against the NFL that people can glom onto and be able to watch. And in December, it just kind of falls off until you get to January. Things have changed, though, in that regard, because there's some hot acts there. So if I take the field, I'm taking an L.A. Knight. Yep. I'm taking a red-hot Drew McIntyre, who's yep. real, clearly. Um, and we are forgetting about Damien Priest. We're forgetting about Priest. I mean, he's he is senior money in the bank. I mean, he's not carrying that case around for a rib. He's going to have to cash in at some point. We also got to think about Gunther as well as Intercontinental Champion. So there's some guys there. So I mean, it, it's very difficult. Everything is centered around Punk and Cody. 
But then, as you guys talked about last week in my absence, I mean, there's a Randy Orton that's still lurking. You know, he wants his comeuppance against the bloodline. However, I'm sure he'd like to get in a title picture as well. Yeah, so uh, I think you can throw Jay Uso in there. I think maybe we, we don't have a lot on Sami Zayn this week, but Sami apparently he was written off the of television after his match with Drew McIntyre. Maybe he returns at the Royal Rumble, and and he's somebody that you could throw into that picture. There's a lot in the field, but it seems like they're really focusing on these two. And the thing that I'm concerned about is already here in in December, it seems kind of obvious that we're going Punk versus Seth, Cody versus Roman. At WrestleMania, and if those two things have already been set in stone, it kind of seems like one of those two guys has to end up being the winner of the Royal Rumble and go on and main event at WrestleMania. That's that's the only concern I have. the The one thing you bring up with um, with, with having you know Senior Money in the Bank lurking is if he cashes in on Seth Punk versus Seth doesn't need a championship. Like, it doesn't need a championship belt. So then you could have, again, if you go into the Royal Rumble or even earlier in the day, earlier in the night, if Seth is defending his world championship, if you have Damian Priest cash in at the Royal Rumble, that opens the door for a number of different or new challengers that could potentially win the Royal Rumble. But if we end the Royal Rumble with those two as the champs, then it kind of seems obvious that Punk or Cody has to be the winner. And Cody just won it last year. So then a returning CM Punk is your Royal Rumble winner. At least that's how it looks to me in the middle of December. Here's something that you and I and Broads have not talked about. So do you really want to see Cody against Roman too? No. Nope. Okay. Yeah, I think no. that, I think we know what that match looks like. And again, the same story I say almost every week on Good Karma Wrestling is you got to fight the bloodline. That's Solo Sokoa, that is going to be um, Jimmy Uso, that's Paul Heyman. And I'm just saying, like, here we are in December talking about this, mid-December. Does Cody feel hot to you? I mean, taking on Nakamura, and by the way, interesting finish, by the way, the disqualification finish, it was not a, a, a real finish, it was a DQ. That's a way to just keep that feud hot. Okay, so he beats Nakamura. So that doesn't seem like Cody is as hot going into Royal Rumble or WrestleMania season as it did last year. He's going to win the feud with Nak, and Nak still feels hotter to me. Because because Nakamura just, he, he feels fresh and new and what they've done with him, even though, again, he lost his previous uh, against Seth Rollins. He lost that feud. But just Nakamura feels fresh and new and entertaining where, I mean, Cody's still over, don't get me wrong, but I just don't feel like he's that hot baby face that's that's ready to take on the bloodline. And I know they teased Punk and and Seth Rollins, but I think you could do – Punk versus Roman I think would be with – and Punk wouldn't go over, I don't think, in this scenario, but that that's how you get Punk his real main event for WrestleMania. Because even if Punk wins, to me, if he wants to be in the main event of WrestleMania, if Punk wins the Royal Rumble, he doesn't challenge Seth Rollins. The real main event of WrestleMania is night two. You're closing down the show. That's Roman Reigns. Yes. And it just doesn't feel like that's the direction we're heading in with Punk. And if the main event of WrestleMania is the thing that he wants the most, he's been in WrestleMania main events before, with that being in air quotes, against The Undertaker. We probably had the best match of that night, the best feud going in with everything they did um, with the passing of Paul Bearer and The Urn. And that, that was a fantastic WrestleMania story that they told. Yeah. But it... You know, it was it was main event in name only. Punk wants the main event. He wants to be the biggest thing at WrestleMania. 
And if that ends up being it, then to me, Punk versus Roman Reigns is bigger than Roman versus Cody. And then, of course, there's always The Rock. Yes. I mean, is that, and again, I'd have no idea if that's happening either because I think we're all waiting on The Rock passing the torch to Roman. You can't see Rock with another uh, world title reign. I, I just think that this is more interesting now than it was 12 months ago because of the what ifs. The what ifs are fun. Yes. Um, so, the, mean, but, the what ifs are always the most fun part about professional wrestling. It is. But how about this, Gabe? What if I told you that CM Punk, he wants to be a main event at WrestleMania, and of course, as we just laid out, there's two nights. What if I told you that Punk will never be a night two main event at WrestleMania? That feels like a missed opportunity. Like, I think if you want to do the biggest thing you can do at random. And we've had this conversation how many times? You know, the, what's the biggest match WWE can do? Yeah. The biggest match they can do right now is Punk versus Roman. You want Punk to go over, though, don't you? They don't want this to look like an L.A. night in Saudi situation where he gets steamrolled. I mean, yeah, it, the match would happen, but then the result would be people would just be elated to see CM Punk actually win it all that night. A hundred percent, but I, and, and I'm fine with Punk not winning it if that's the direction they they, they want to go in because Punk Punk's had WWE Championship reigns. I mean, he said it in his promo, and I think that there are elements of truth to it. The biggest reason for him coming back to WWE isn't for another WWE Universal or Heavyweight Championship run. He's had those, and he had one of the longest runs until Roman sprinted past it with this three-year run that he's been on, but he had one of the longest reigns of the modern era when he was champ for over a year. He wants that last spot in WrestleMania. And I have a hard time believing that CM Punk will count main eventing night one as being in the main event. Just because he's an old school, he knows what the main event means. And the main event thing, much like we've talked about with, with Ric Flair at different times on this podcast when he joined us earlier this year, mm-hmm. like the main event is the thing that goes on last of the whole events. Yes. And I think that's what Punk wants. Like. Would he be happy with night one of... Sure, I'm sure he would put on a great show with Seth Rollins. But I think ultimately CM Punk wants to be night two. And I don't know if Punk is going to be hotter a year from now than he is right now. So there's two things that's kind of confused on social media regarding CM Punk. One of them is what we're just talking about now. If if CM Punk... And that's where it's headed. It's headed to CM Punk and Seth Rollins. We knew that as soon as Punk came out in Chicago and Seth just went apoplectic. You just knew, like, okay, here's a setup here for Seth's World Heavyweight Championship. So there's one thing of, like, what is main eventing WrestleMania? Is it night one, night two? You and I agree that night two to close the event is the main event. However, I think that that's going to be night one, the closer with Seth. 100%. But the other thing that people are talking about on social wrestling, social media is, is that it, it, from CM Punk's standpoint, he says he wants to main event WrestleMania. And my thought is, is like, it's not just being there. He wants to win too. Like everybody's just saying like, well, you know, the Punk's whole goal is to main event WrestleMania. Yeah. But I mean, it's not just to be there because he can be there and get beaten eight seconds. He yeah. actually wants to be able to be in WrestleMania make an impact, and win at WrestleMania. People are, like, taking the quotes as if we're doing, like, White House stuff and just like, well, the exact quote was that CM Punk wants to be at WrestleMania. Well, we all want to be at WrestleMania, right? But he wants to be there and win it. In particular, beat Seth Rollins or Will Reigns. So let me ask you this. What do you think CM Punk would rather do? 
Main event and win night one or main event and lose night two? I bet there's more money in losing night two. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I bet there's more money. <laughs> I, think, I bet you the paycheck is a little bit different. And I know that sounds weird to some wrestling fans, but it does matter, right? You're in the main, main event and mm -hmm. you lose. There's a little bit more cheese on your Whopper if you do that than being in night one and then win the championship over Seth. Well, plus, like, again, if it's a goal to be in the main event and you enter the Royal Rumble and you win it, like, as the Royal Rumble winner, don't you want to go after the biggest fish, which is Roman Reigns? I mean, if you if you are CM Punk and you are the best in the world, don't you want to go after the, the current best? Like, this is the guy that's been champ for three years. I understand he signed with Monday Night Raw, but, I mean... WWE never follows those rules of right. oh you're exclusive to Raw, exclusive to SmackDown. Guys float all the time. I mean, we just saw Cody Rhodes on uh, SmackDown this past week with a salute for the troops. So, like, I think I'm I, I guess I'm just partially hoping if it ends up being CM Punk, the winner of the Royal Rumble, I am hoping that him being on Raw is just to throw us off the scent of him eventually challenging Roman Reigns. Because by the way, I think he could go lose to Roman Reigns, and then after that, you could even add more layers to whatever story you want to tell with Seth Rollins, of Seth being hacked off of, oh, I'm not good enough for you, you skipped over me, you went to Roman Reigns. I think there are some interesting things you could do there. But Gabe, you can hear the audible groans from here, can't you? Roman goes over Punk, main event, Russell oh, yeah. filled up, you're like, ah, oh, again with this guy. But... I mean, if, if it's Cody against Roman, like, why not just do it a year? Because they haven't really done anything, I think, that meaningful with Roman Reigns' tribal, tree, tribal chief since WrestleMania. They've, they've done a couple things. They've freed Jay from, from those clutches. But I, if I were to power rank all the years of that we've been now under tribal chief reign, this is probably last on the list. I, th I think they've told the least interesting stories right now from last year's WrestleMania to, to current day. And, and part of that's because Roman hasn't been around. Maybe it heats up once he starts appearing more regularly between now and WrestleMania. But right now, I don't think they've told anything that interesting. So what about Damian Priest? Was he carrying that briefcase around? Was he doing that for? I mean, he's not cashing in on Roman. If anything, he cashes in on Seth, right? And again, it goes back to Punk versus Seth doesn't need a championship. But if, you know, so if, if Damian Priest goes over, like that opens, I mean, if Damian Priest is your champion, one of your champions going into WrestleMania, th the list is endless, I think, there, of possibilities of people he could go up against. Is that, you know, is that Drew McIntyre? Is that, uh, you know, a spot for anybody who has been, you know, is that a spot for Jey Uso? Is that a spot for anybody who's been feuding with the Judgment Day over the last six months, that that's a longer list, and it opens up the list because then whoever ends up fighting, to me, that ends up being the winner of the Royal Rumble of whoever's going to face Damian Priest. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, and I just think about Jay Uso, who, yeah, he's got the yeet behind him, but it just doesn't feel hot yet. So you got to beat. I, I just think that Jay Uso might be popular, hey, but it's just about being able to beat a, a number of people to get him hot, like L.A. Knight did for a while. And L.A. Knight's another story. Like, So, you know, you wonder about L.A. Knight. Is it about the promo or is it about the in-ring? Because when the bell rings, I'm not as interested in him as much as it is when he speaks. It's, mm -hmm. uh, like I said, it's an interesting time. So if we're going to answer the question, okay, Punk and Cody or the field, I'll say Punk and Cody. 
But I will say that on the other side of it, boy, there's a lot of contenders. It, it got hot. When Vince got his hands off the book, all mm-hmm. of a sudden now you start to see just the building of these contenders. And I love that about professional wrestling because it gives you that mystery of like, what if? What if this person beats this person? How far up the ladder can this person get to the world title? Like that's uh, intriguing to me. And hats off to Triple H and the staff for getting that done, that intrigue. But I'm going to, I'll pick uh, Punk or Cody. Especially when Punk walked out his last moments with Seth Rollins. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'll see you at the Rumble. He's, he's, he's already in. So I feel like he's going to be the favorite to win it. Well, you brought it up. So let's dive into it. Our other top three stories, we call it the three count across uh, GKW here. You brought up his name. So let's go ahead and talk about him. One of the other top stories is WWE dropping the ball with LA Knight. Because I felt he was so hot. And now he's just kind of an also ran with. You know, with Randy Orton, you you mentioned him, and he, he is at his most interesting when he gets mic time, when he gets that promo time. That's when he can build things up, and he hasn't gotten that the last few weeks on SmackDown, and he he saved Randy Orton a couple of weeks ago, tags with Randy Orton this week, and I, I don't want to say, you know, say that's not a great spot to be in, because it is, like when you're mm-hmm. tagging in the main event of the show that you're on. It just feels like they don't really have a direction for LA Knight currently, and that's not great as we turn the calendar over into 2024 and hit Rumble and Mania season. Yeah, so with L.A. Knight, you know, I remember us talking about L.A. Knight getting over with the audience and then he'd take on, like, uh, Hit Row. As, <laughs> I'm like, so what is this, right? Like, like, so you're trying to get a guy over and he's taking on Hit Row and beating them pretty much in handicap matches because he's taking on two people and then winning matches. Like, okay, so what? what is this? When his music hits, people are into him. And people felt like this is like the next Austin as far as mic work is concerned because he can mm-hmm. see involved. You know, he's got that yeah movement. I mean, he's got his own Twitter feed. People love everything that he does. But here we go to, to Royal Rumble game. And I'm just kind of like, so, you know, which one of these things is not like the other? Like, who are you feuding with? He's just kind of like a guy out there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he with John Cena. Okay, so you got the Cena rub. Okay, so then what? Because I don't see him anywhere even close to the title picture. We talked about it when they were in Saudi Arabia. I said, you sure you want to do this? I don't care if the Crown Prince wants that match or not. I like, if I'm Triple H, I'm like, I got to protect this match. This could have been a match at Royal Rumble in, in Tampa. Like, okay, Roman wins, fine. But you did this in November. So I feel like he's not as hot since that matchup in Saudi Arabia. Well, because and again, he's, he's almost become the lost man. He wasn't on the card in Chicago at Survivor Series. So you didn't give him anything to do there. And then you had two big returns at that show. And and now Raw and SmackDown have kind of revolved around Punk and, and Randy Orton returning. Where are they signing, doing all these things? I, I don't know the direction that he goes in. And if he's not challenging, I mean, is, is he the potential challenger for the U.S. title? Is he the one to take it off of? Um, Logan Paul at WrestleMania? Is is that the direction we're potentially going with LA Knight? That's probably the biggest match that's left because you're right. He's he's not going to challenge Seth. He's not going to challenge Roman or whoever ends up being the heavyweight champion. Like I, I may so maybe it becomes a mid-card, and his mid-card champ on that show would be a pretty big match and going up against Logan Paul. But then at the same time, I'm wondering, well, is that a waste of Logan Paul? Because if we're talking about in-ring work. Logan Paul's a better in-ring worker than LA Knight at this point. You know, that is great matchmaking skills. This is why Gabe Knight's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're a genius. Been out loud. No, because it's good. Because where else is he going to go? Right? I mean, yeah. Like, you're not the title pitcher, and it's like, 
there's some contenders there, you know, that just are on the road 250 days a year. You don't want to put them against that. So I think that two great talkers in L.A. Knight and, yep. and Paul work. I can see them going back and forth. Paul being like this smarmy heel, and he's fantastic at that. And then you got L.A. Knight and let them go at it. I'm, I think that Paul wins that matchup. But the thing is that they can talk people to the TV. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. So the, the the promos are going to be terrific. United States Championship matchup. Paul, you know, gets brass knucks or whatever to add on to that punch. Knocks out L.A. Knight. One, two, three. Wow, you're not even putting L.A. Knight over the the one of the biggest heels they got. Is no. LA Knight ever going to win a championship in, in Jonathan Hood's WWE? Mm. Well, you know, that matchup against Gunther, I just feel like LA Knight could get killed there. We might see a murder on TV. Yeah, yeah. It can't be, you know, can't be. Yeah, he can't. He's not challenging for the IC. Nope. Hey, but it's a great underdog story, right? Underdog, I mean, yeah. LA Knight's smaller and Gunther's this big guy. And Gunther just laughs at LA Knight. He's like, oh, look at this guy. This little guy with the crew cut. Look at this guy. He's going to try to beat me. And so that's the thing that we've talked about with LA Knight Mike skills versus in ring ability. LA Knight, can he hang with Gunther? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, to an extent. But is that a great match? I'm no. sure it is. To me, if LA Knight is ever going to be a heavyweight champion, if he's going to be one of the top champions on either show, he has to win Money in the Bank. Because he's not going to put on, like, a classic match to win the championship, right? It, it's, right. But it would be a hell of a moment of whenever he, if he wins Money in the Bank, people are going to go crazy for that. And then whenever he cashes in, like that, it, it probably would end up rivaling if they can find a way to keep him hot long enough. It would probably rival when Dolph Ziggler cashed in on Alberto Del Rio. Yeah, the crowd just was beside themselves when when Ziggler finally cashed in. Okay, so the answer is yes, Gabe. Like, yes, he will win a championship. It'll be one of two things: it'll be the strange bedfellows tag team. <laughs> can right? they coexist? Always that. Always got to go to that. Well, every time we see it in AEW right now, the the strange bedfellows tag team. Or the NXT Championship. I mean, because now that's a viable third brand, and yet you used to laugh at that thing, but now we're seeing like the Becky Lynches and yeah. those of the world winning those champions, Dom. So, like, main roster guys, we don't have a spot for you. Go down to Sean. You know, work for six weeks, win the championship, right? I mean, that's what I see. And But it, it, the WWE booked themselves in a corner with this, though, Gabe, because it's like, it's what I know what it is. This is like, Daniel Bryan all over again. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, veteran, you've got some bumps and bruises. Ah, uh, yeah, you're over with the crowd, but can you work? Are you really over? Uh, you know, we'll get your merch out there. Oh, top five in merch, okay, but he's still not over. Uh, that's what we're seeing here, I think, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because he's over with the crowd, and to answer all those questions, at least with Brian Danielson, you, you knew, or at that time, Daniel Bryan, like, he could work in the ring. Like I've got, I've, spoiler alert for next week when we're doing our match of the week, Brian Danielson's probably going to, his name might come up once or twice as we're researching that because his name came up once or twice just in match of the week this week alone. Yeah. So like you knew he could work in the ring and, and it's not saying like, I don't feel, I feel bad because it's almost like we're knocking LA Knight, but it's like, he's, he's fine. He's solid. It's not like he's Ridge Holland out there and he's just, you know, a, a danger to the people around him. Like he's fine in the ring. He's just not. <laughs> to the level that a lot of these other people are. He's not to the Seth Rollins. He's not to, he's, he's probably not even the level of the CM Punk right now in terms of his in-ring work. He's, he's more of an old school guy. He can hit his moves and 
you know, it, and the crowd will enjoy it. But it just it feels like the WWE is dropping the ball here because he is one of your top merchandise leaders, and yet he still can't seemingly get over with the guy who's got the pencil in the back. Too bad Broads isn't here. He'd book right now intergender match. Nia Jax against Rich Holland, loser of the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and out of the business. <laughs> I mean, that's the story they want to tell, right? Nia Jax and that old thing with Becky Lynch that didn't get yep. over. Um, horrible. Um, <laughs> and, and Rich Holland, yeah, they're two unsafe people still on the roster. That's good. That's good business right there. Good business. And, and like trying to make money off of them being unsafe. Like, like, let's just pause for a second because I did not see it happen live, and apparently it's storyline because, um, you know, uh, the NXT wrestler was that Dragon Off that he that he supposedly injured uh, at, at NXT tapings, and apparently it's just it's an angle. But like, how are you turning somebody who's seriously hurt one of your best superstars in Big E, who continues to do work? Like, how do you turn that into storyline with somebody else? It, it just that it's like when they did the concussion thing on on Raw for a couple of weeks, which they kind of backed away from when you know uh, they had uh, I, I'm blanking on her name was winning matches on Raw by knocking people out, and you were pretending that they had fake concussions. Like eh, I'm a little uncomfortable with that. I'm a little uncomfortable with you doing a stretcher spot, saying, "Oh man, Rich Holland hurt this person when he's actually legitimately done that." Yeah, I mean he's he's ruined Big D's career because he was unsafe. Um, yeah, that's, that's that's just a weird one, but that is putting the heat on something real, right? Sean, yeah, like, yeah, you're a guy that hurts people. You know what? You're gonna hurt our heavyweight champion. <laughs> oh, and, and people, and you know what? I did a little research. It's a work, but the point is, though, is that for about an hour, I'm like, dude, not again. Why is this yes. position right? This guy hurts people. The same thing with Becky Lynch and Nia Jax. They went right back to the well. Hey, Nia. Just, just again, unsafe, and she's done this several times. Punches Becky Lynch, breaks her face, breaks her nose, and they use that as a storyline because Becky wants to be punched again. Yeah, that's good. I want to be punched again because that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so, well, I mean, it, yeah. and in that instance, I mean, it kind of helped make Becky Lynch and the mad character even bigger with her just, even though she doesn't, has said in multiple interviews that she doesn't remember standing on top of those stairs, blood just gushing from her face, talking her, you know. Just, just sitting there. You don't know what she's saying, but you know she is just spitting trash back at the ring, which is an iconic WWE photo at this point and an iconic WWE moment. But uh, well, I, yeah, I want more from Nia Jax, by the way, in that spot. Like, get away from the. I know that you're trained by the WWE and the staccato style, but Vince isn't there anymore. I want her to be like she is on TikTok and just be free and just loose. And she just did the. I see. So you need me so you can get over. Just like, just say what you got to say. You don't talk like that in real life. Come on. The words, the words are there. And when you read them on paper, it's like, that could be a good promo. But the way she delivered it wasn't, it just didn't hit. (laughs) It just didn't hit. You know what I'm saying? Like if you just, if you would, if if somebody transcribed the promo, you're like, oh, okay, there's potential here. I get this. And it just, she she didn't deliver it the way it needed to be delivered, unfortunately. Like, look. No, no one does condescending more than I can. Okay, when I have, to, <laughs> when I can hit that. I can hit that condescending button any at any time, right? Because I could just be sarcastic, condescending. I could do that just because I can. Because we talk for a living, we could just yeah. hit certain buttons, right? But she's trying to be that, and I don't think people get it because I saw her in another promo. It was that like four or five women in the ring? And she's like, I get it. You need me. <laughs> To be able to get you over because I'm great and you're small. Like, 
Okay. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> Explain it, right? Being yeah. sarcastic. She's a new character. She's sarcastic Nia Jax. And she <laughs> talks down to people. But I don't know if people understand that because that's her natural promo voice for everything. Right? Yeah. In AEW, the Continental Classic has really taken over pretty much every show, whether you're watching whether you're watching uh, on Friday nights on Rampage or Collision or Dynamite. Continental Classic is everywhere as they continue to build toward the championship match, which will happen at World's End. There have been some bumps along the way, but would you consider, as we get closer and closer to the end of it, the Continental Classic a success for AEW? Gabe, I would, because... The name of the game is professional wrestling and they just want to have this. And really, you know, we say, I see on the bottom of the screen here, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, has the Continental Classic been, let, let's just cross it out. The, the Danielson Invitational, because that's what it is. The <laughs> Brian Danielson Invitational, uh, because Brian Danielson will never be in the G1. It's too bad because we lose out as fans. We lose out as, as, as fans because Danielson now up in age, he's had a lot of bumps and bruises. So the, the Danielson Invitational. There you go. AKA the, the Danielson Invitational. There. The, we, we fixed the bottom third. <laughs> See, we can do this without you. See that, bro? It's about, uh, boom, right there. The Danielson, because that's what it is. It's because Danielson will never be in a G1. And I'm sure it was brought up in the back. He's like, you know, I'll never be part of the G1. And Tony's, Tony Khan's like, yeah, well, we'll just create one out of whole cloth. The matches have been solid for the most part. Mm -hmm. But. You know who the ones that are doing jobs like Jay Lethal, who I'll never trust again. Jay Lethal has disappointed me. He can walk off, he can walk into the sun. All I care because I paid good money at one point when he's an ROH um, to see this guy wrestle, and now he's just a he's not even close to being a guy he was. He wasn't going to beat Roosh anyway on Wednesday, but the point is though he's not the same guy. But someone had to lose. Watching Mark Briscoe same way. Mark Briscoe. Still not hot as that singles wrestler. Jay White's got to get over. Swerve and John Moxley's got to get over. So I, no, I, as far as wrestling's concerned, it's great. It's great. I just the only thing I've been telling you is like the timing of it is strange, as because you got a pay per view on the thirtieth. Mm -hmm. I would prefer that in February or uh, you know yeah before Revolution. So maybe that's the number one contender for the championship at Revolution in March. But they kind of rushed this out there. We don't know what the championship looks like. This guy's gonna be this person's gonna be a triple crown champion. So as far as the the in ring, I got no problem. It's been solid. I think the in ring's been solid. I think it's even though Roosh isn't gonna win this thing, I think he's emerging as a star. Like the fact that he's gotten this much consistent time, uh, we we've been fans of Roosh on the show, even though again at times we don't know if he knows it's it's you know professional wrestling or a real fight. Um, but I think we've, we've enjoyed Roosh's work here and I think they're, they're doing a good job of getting some, you know, guys like that over. I'm really curious about the Andrade El Idolo thing because it looks like he is on a track to win one of the brackets and yet there are rumors out there about his contract expiring and him wanting to go back to WWE so he can be with his wife more. So if he ends up going over, that's going to be really interesting to me since his contract is expiring. Or maybe they're trying to convince him, hey, look, we can give you a push, re-sign with us instead of going over there where they've got a pretty, you know, pretty packed roster as well currently as they're trying to sort through things over there. So I, I would say the Continental Classic has been a success. It has... A lot of times when they just throw random matches out there, you're like, okay, that match was good, but why am I supposed to care? Mm -hmm. They've done a decent enough job, I think, telling some of these smaller, just little bite-sized stories within the Continental Classic mm -hmm. and making you care about 
the bracket overall, who is going to win the triple, even though the, the triple crown thing seems a little convoluted still to me, it, it gives you a reason to care about the tournament and it gives meaning to these great matches that they want to put on all their three shows on a weekly basis. You know, I was thinking about Gabe yesterday watching Dynamite. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking, so what does the Owen mean when they go to Calgary? Isn't that kind of like the same thing or no? Um, yeah, but that's just like a traditional bracket instead of like the, instead of doing the round robin thing. But I, the Owen has really never meant anything anyway. I mean, as Ricky Starks is the champion of the Owen, the first day, the fir- there's no first annual, the first Owen Hart tournament. So well, the second, the second Owen Hart, because the first time around it was Adam Cole and Britt Baker. Cause they remember as a couple, they got to have, you know, the pink belts and I mean, it's a nice thing and, it, and it's a nice thing to do for the Owen Hart foundation, but. I have never really gotten the point of the Owen Hart Invitational because it hasn't really meant anything. I guess my point is, is like, why do you need two in a year? You know, like, let's, I, that's the whole thing. Like, look, you want to have this, is fine. And look, we win as wrestling fans because we're seeing terrific um, competition because it's what you just laid out. Sometimes it's a head scratcher of why these matches are taking place or why the finish is the way it is. Does it lead to anything? No, they're just, it's just competition. The issue with Tony Khan, and there's many, but one of the issues with Tony Khan is he thinks he's running the UFC, in which with the UFC, it's just like this fighter against this fighter. It's not like you and I are the biggest UFC fans because we have the bandwidth when it comes to sport. We have so much we got to consume, you and I, and and bro, it's on the show, that you know, when it comes to UFC, the one thing I know about the build is it's this fighter against this fighter. And the promos are done as far as the interviews when they have those big press conferences. That's their angle. The angle yeah. done by the spoken word. It's not because they're doing stuff in the back or there's a fist, whatever. What I'm saying is, is that this is what AEW is trying to be. And I'm thinking that's not really pro wrestling because it's about the story leading into the match and the match paying off or having a rematch or a blow up in the cage. But this is what it is. It's like the competition. It's the best thing that AEW does. The best thing they do is put out competition. Light up yep. story at times, but they're able to give you competition. And I'm all here for it. I, this is why we're here, to watch great wrestling. Yeah, it's more New Japan than it is WWE, and they're almost trying to exist in both worlds, um, which is fine. And I, I wonder if this thing comes back next year, if Brian Danielson isn't a part of it. Because as you mentioned, it's the it's the Danielson Invitational, and you know, it's... It, it, Presumably by this time next year, he'd be, you know, he's not going to be a full-time wrestler anymore. And you kind of need to be a full-time guy in order to participate in this thing because, I mean, he he wrestled on two of the three shows this week. You know, he wrestled on Rampage. He wrestled on Collision. So you kind of need to be around in order to compete in this tournament. So it, when you, if you do this next year, the competition's got to be better because a real tournament has Kenny Omega in it. I mean, really, yeah. like. It has Chris Jericho, for better or for worse, he's in it. And Brian Daniels and uh, uh, Roderick Strong's in it. Adam Page is in it. And Small Joe's in it. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe some New Japan people are in it. You know, maybe maybe we get a commander. Well, Will Ospreay 100% would be in it because, yeah. you know, he's all elite at that point at this point next year. So, so that's, I mean, a real turn. I mean, nothing against the people that's in it because I think, can I speak for you, that we've been entertained? Yes. Okay. So, so next year... You get guys that were not in it, and you get even better competition. Of course, in those brackets, you gotta have someone who's gotta do the job. So you gotta find some of those guys, right? <laughs> so someone's gotta do the job. But I would imagine the upper echelon will be even better next year. 
Yeah. And I mean, of the upper echelon guys, I mean, really, they only have mocks as in terms of established upper echelon. Well, Mox and Danielson. Because even though Danielson hasn't won a championship in AEW, like he's still Brian Danielson. Like he's he's one of the best. I mean, he's challenged a number of times. So the, those would probably be the only two. And then, you know, you're trying to build up the Jay Whites. You're trying to build up the Andrades. And, I mean, they've done a great job with Brody King and building him up. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of people I think that are going to come out of this looking really good by getting the TV time that they got. Despite, you know, it, despite whoever ends up winning it. And Swerve continues to just be stronger and stronger and stronger. Brody lost on Wednesday, did he not? He lost. He that- did. He lost, yes, to Andrade. Okay, so I won't say it's a booking issue. I just, there's a couple of matches in which I thought someone else should have went over, right? Yeah. I've been hot, I think this show's been hot and heavy on Brody King because he has been able to spin out of this faction. And why do you have a faction? Because someone has to spin out and be a single star. That's why you put three, four, five people together because someone's got to spin out as a star. And I think that Brody King's been fantastic. He falls short. And then that main event on um, on Dynamite with Swerve and Mox. I don't know, man. Like, I feel like Swerve had the momentum there. But I, but well, Mox- so I, I think Swerve ultimately goes over, and especially when you had Mox end up grabbing the belt and, you know, grabbing the trunks or whatever at the end to help him mm-hmm. get the win. Because the top two, like, you, you want to finish in the top two because the top two will fight in a semifinal with the then the, the championship being at world's end. So my guess is Swerve lost there, so then it's going to be even sweeter when he goes over Mox in the rematch. So... You like it. I like it. I know Bro, it's 50 50. There's not a lot of shenanigans and clown shit that's happening in AEW. <laughs> he doesn't like it too much. But you know what? You know what I think about is the overall audience. Like, we, we're solidified. We're wrestling fans. I just wonder what the general audience thinks about it. I mean, besides the TV ratings, that didn't tell a real story. Streaming numbers didn't tell a real story. I'm wondering how much this resonates with the overall wrestling audience. It's one thing to appreciate it, Gabe. But I'm wondering, like, what do they really think? I mean, think about it. You're in Dallas. The suburban Dallas. You're in. Were they in Garland yesterday? Yeah, I think they were in Garland. It was a good crowd too. The crowd was. The crowd was hot last night. Twenty-two hundred. Yeah, sounded good though. <laughs> no, it, uh, hey, the AEW fan that comes out makes it noisy. There's no question. Yeah. I sat amongst four thousand people in Chicago at Wintrust. Four thousand. Yeah, about four thousand people at Wintrust, and they're loud. I mean, everyone's into it. I just wonder, like, for the overall audience, we all appreciate pro wrestling, but I feel like there's something that needs to get hot in this company in 2024 for it to be able to capture the imagination. And I just don't want to just give you the lazy narrative of, well, you know, if they have CM Punk, there would be more people there. But I kind of feel like that's the one thing that's missing, the unknown, the hot act in, in AEW. Like, as much as we appreciate the wrestling, the hot act, that's what's missing as far as putting butts in seats, I think, in abundance in AEW. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Otherwise, I mean, the, the numbers they're doing are fine, and I think they'll still have their TV deal and all these things. But yeah, in order to kind of take you up to that, because I know everybody always wants to put, you know, point at a million viewers for them, right, that, that consistently hit that, you got to have some, I'm with you. Someone's got to get hot. Someone's got to like transcend the company and get people talking on social media and getting more people to tune in that way. And they just don't have that hot act right now. I'm, I'm hundred percent there with you. Speaking of which, um, I don't know if this has gone on too long, but the devil attacks last night, uh-huh. Adam page. And I just found myself not really caring. Oh, <laughs> 
I feel like I'm, I feel like I've, and maybe this is just, you know, I've, I've tried to fantasy book this so many different ways and, you know, Bully Ray ruined it for me by saying, oh, what if CM Punk's the devil? And <laughs> that was like the best thing that could have happened. And obviously that's not going to happen because CM Punk's over in WWE. So I, I've just reached a point with this devil storyline where it's, it's gone on for so long where it's building up too much. And whoever it ends up being, it's just going to feel like it's going to fall flat on its face, much like when Vince revealed himself as the higher power. You're like, oh, <laughs> okay. It's me. It's me. <laughs> okay. That's, I mean, it's kind of messed up that you did that to Stephanie, but okay. That's okay. Okay, Vince. Um, I, I just feel like whoever it's going to be, it just feels like it's going to be a disappointment at this point. And that this devil storyline is being strung out too much right now in AEW. How do you feel? Are you with me or against me on that one? Well, I'm against you only because this will be solved in a couple of weeks. Like you can, you gotta, if you, if you're holding your nose watching it now, Gabe, you can tolerate until the 30th. It better be over at the uh, pay-per-view on Long Island. Seriously. Like I think you can hold your nose for another week. And then on the 30th, it'll be revealed that jungle boy is the, uh, is the devil. Um, <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned though. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say Jungle Boy. It seems like he might be coming back as a baby face because he's like filing all these trademark claims for all the old Jungle Boy stuff, like a boy and his dinosaur and Jungle Boy and all these different things. So I don't know if he's going to come back as a baby face or as Jack Perry. I have no idea. I just think that's just locking in the old merch. That's what I ah. think. The nostalgia merch. I think he's trying to capitalize on that. I think. Before we go into it about the history of the masked man as in, in professional wrestling, is it me or do you feel like every time it's MJF? Just the way the, the, the curvature of the head, how short the guy is, doesn't it feel like, like what happened on Wednesday night? Doesn't it look like it's MJF underneath there and for the time being? It does. And whoever it actually is, if it's not MJF, kudos to them for like capturing some of those MJF mannerisms. Yes. Um, cause yes, but it, it, again, but if it ends up being MJF, that just feels, I mean, if, if, if MJF like somehow pulls off the mask at, at world's end on December 30th, aren't you going to go, Oh yeah. So, so Roddy strong was right all along. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then what does Adam Cole see? This whole thing is screwed up because Adam Cole is injured. Cause it's, yeah supposed to be Adam Cole, all right? And so, but that's not going to be the case. And so I think, it, I'm not tired of the story because I know it's going to come to an end before the calendar flips. Thank God. In the history of wrestling, the masked man usually is disappointing. You mentioned Vince putting uh, pretty much step on a cross to marry, uh, <laughs> to marry the Undertaker, which is just, it's amazing. You'll never get this 90s nonsense again. I mean, <laughs> it's like, they will just cut to like the Chrisleys. They will never put that on. You put it on the cross. Okay, take this off the air. This would never happen, right? We go to the Black Scorpion in 1990. I lived through that watching WCW of, you know, someone in a mask saying, Sting, Sting, you remember me in California? See, and it ultimately it was Ole Anderson on the mic. Sting, you remember Baton Rouge? Sting. And, of course, the Black Scorpion was Ric Flair when he came out in St. Louis. He Flair had a mask on. You could see the chin, the clutch. <laughs> 
like, oh, that's Ric Flair. That's Ric Flair. <laughs> so that was stupid, too. We had to go through six months of that, right? So usually the masked man does not work. In this scenario, though. The raw anonymous general manager. Uh, which was? Hornswoggle. Yes, which was awful. Awful. So usually the masked man or the person that's the powers that be, or the power that be, it was, let's see, that was in WCW as well. You didn't yeah. see who was behind him. It was Vince Russo. He was the power that be in, in WCW. So it never pays off. It never pays well, off. Like the, the only way it actually paid off was when Hogan was the third man. But that was such a quick build, right? Like they just hinted at a third man. Who could it be? It doesn't, when, when you start prolonging it this long, again, fans start fantasy booking in their own heads of who could it possibly be. And they end up falling in love with their idea. So they automatically become disappointed when it's not the way that they just, oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll see what this way, you know, the way this ends up going. I think that's the problem when you when you play out the masked man angle for, I mean, at times it's been six months. This won't be six months in AEW. But when you play it out that long, it just gets built up so much. It has to be a huge reveal. And it's so hard to live up to that sort of hype that you put behind it. It's so funny you mentioned Hogan being the third man. The short story on that is, is that Hogan was terrified because he wasn't. Oh, you know, yeah. Because he was a northern act, he was a WWF act, and people down south are just like, oh, I hate, I hated Hogan up there. Why is he in WCW? He got booed. It's like, oh, he's gonna beat Kamala again. He's beating, you know, one man gang again, just like you know, Typhoon, all these guys, right? Kevin Sullivan, who worked for the company, stayed with Hulk Hogan in this hotel, would not let him leave, and told Eric Bischoff, "Don't worry, I'm gonna get him to the arena. He's gonna be the third man." Hogan wanted to escape. He didn't want to do it. And it and, and like they put like um a chair in front of the door to make sure honest <laughs> to God, because he's like, Oh brother, I can't turn heel, brother, brother, brother. My merchandise, brother, brother. And like Kevin's like, This is gonna be fine. Can I go out for a smoke? Nope. You're gonna stay here in the hotel. You're not leaving. Wait, this is like when the Clippers kidnapped DeAndre Jordan and wouldn't let him sign with the Mavericks. <laughs> Same situation. <laughs> they would not let Hogan leave. And then it's like, all right, get in the car. Get in the car, Hogan. And it's like they took Hogan to the arena. It's like, all right, Hulk, here we go. And he's like, oh, shit. Like, I can't be the heel. My merchandise, my money. And, of course, the rest is history. He made plenty of money as Hollywood Hulk Hogan. But, it's you know, it's funny. To me, I think right now, let's make our three contenders. Three contenders, Gabe. Number one contender for the uh, the devil. For the devil? Yep. Is... Uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. You think that's number one? Yep. Number I th- two. See, I feel like, well, okay, so then number two, I, I would throw out Roddy Strong. Roddy Strong. Because I think there has to be like an Adam, because again, I feel like it was supposed to be Adam Cole, but it can't be Adam Cole. Um, because all the reports are the, the person under the mask is the actual person. And Cole's wandering around with a boot. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> that person came out of that car yesterday didn't look like they were limping around with a boot on their foot. So I don't think it can be Cole. So it's got to be related to Cole. So Roddy Strong, therefore, as like the proxy, ends up making the most sense. I was going to say Britt Baker, and that would be something because she's shooting on AEW lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? Number three is a WWE cast-off that we are not thinking about. So if the devil starts swiveling his hips, it's Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> like I, by the way if it was Britt baker i would really get behind that i think that could be really interesting and do some things but again that's that, that's not Britt baker behind that mask 
Because if it's Britt Baker, because the reason why it probably can't be is like, what's she going to do against MJF? You going to wrestle? Yeah. It doesn't pay off. No. Unless she's like the manager of like this this uh, heel factory against MJF yeah. that's sending people against them. You know, so I where, think Again, uh, it, it would be kind of a, you would have to build it up to where she would eventually become the way Rhea Ripley is for Judgment Day. Because, like, Rhea Ripley has set up a lot of these feuds in WWE for Judgment Day, even though she's not going to be physically in the ring. It would have to be something similar to that. So, I'm going to say the third uh, slot is someone we're not thinking about that's a free agent and that went to WWE or someplace else to go after Max for the championship. And then, of course, we have to confirm whether or not Max is going to be with the company for the long haul. I don't know. Is this one of these, we beat Samoa Joe... I kiss goodbye and then hop over the rail and then leave and go to WWE. I don't know what that is. I have no idea. Again, I I think that he would probably be. I think he's had to have re-signed something because if it's the bidding war of 2024, and I don't know if the contract expires on December 31st, 2023. Like they're they're still playing these Wardlow vignettes. They're still having Wardlow come out and just kick the crap out of everyone as he still wants to get his revenge against MJF. So my guess is Wardlow's still going to get his hands on MJF eventually. My guess is MJF is is all elite for the foreseeable future. You want me to? I'm going to really upset you with this one. I'm going to I'm going to get you going. You ready for this? Hit me. What if it's Tony Khan? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> don't sign off. Wait, don't sign off on it. If it's if it's Tony Khan, like that's just gonna be, God, that would be so disappointing. He's a he's a '90s WWF fan. And that is an homage to Vince. It was me, Maxwell. It was me. <laughs> it was me all it was along. Me. It was me all along. <sighs> <sighs> No, thank you. No, thank you on that. I would, I would take a little break from, from AEW if it ends up being TK behind the devil mask. Like that's where CM Punk was the best possible outcome because that would have just been again many layers of storytelling would have been very cool. Uh, TK is the worst possible outcome. But like, I don't think you can get worse than than unmasking Tony Khan as the devil. You said CM Punk, and uh, as we get into news and notes, that could be a possibility. Huh. Maybe it is because you mentioned it. So things are getting interesting in the world of professional wrestling with TV deals. So WWE already has a home for NXT going forward. They have a home for Friday night SmackDown, or maybe it ends up being a different night SmackDown, but Monday night raw is still out there and available. Uh, They reportedly had a meeting on Monday with Warner brothers discovery. Wow. Tony Khan has also recently mentioned about how good their relationship is with Warner Brothers Discovery. Seems that he's still holding out hope that Max can be the streaming home for ROH and AEW and the video libraries and all those sorts of things. Um, To to, to sprinkle in even more pro wrestling is incestuous TV deals commentary, TNA is opening up TNA Plus and they're doing it with Endeavor Streaming. Of course, Endeavor Streaming, parent company would be Endeavor, who owns WWE. So it seems like the possibility of all of these three companies, the big three in North America, within like t- just barely touching points of one another, it, it's, it could be a real possibility of everyone being somehow all working together. <laughs> A little different companies. A little sprinkle on that. 
And I sent you and Broitz this, and Broitz can't go because he's again out of town, again not available for it, again. Uh, NWA doing a show in the Tampa area. Yep. You taping for CW? Yes. Did you see that? I did see that. So isn't that the, s- in the same company, the same network that's going to air NXT in the fall? That is correct. Okay. <laughs> you and I are the uh, one of the few, because we do sports, that can talk about TV rights deals. Because this, we'll get to the wrestling in just a minute, but I think we need to be able to explain to the audience about these TV right deals. Because it's big in baseball, huge in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of the reasons why a number of teams cannot get the key free agents, Otani or whomever, is because the rights deals are just drying up. It's, it's not like your local channels when you're a kid. You just go to your local channel to be able to watch your favorite baseball team for 162. There's an Apple here. And then, of course, the, the Diamond uh, Sports deal is just not as strong as it once was. This is affecting your market. It is going to mm-hmm. affect the White Sox and the Cubs. The Cubs have marquee, but that's not... That's not as strong, game as it once was because it's not. It's enough that Cup fans in Iowa can't see the game. Uh, but these TV deals overall are starting to dry up. And so this is why I find it interesting that there's rights fees that networks are willing to pay for wrestling, but not baseball. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Like, only a few, but as baseball, like the Padres are having a hard time. They had to yep. get loan because they don't have the TV rights or the money to be able to supply all the talent they had. They traded Juan Soto because they didn't have enough TV money. Minnesota going through the same thing. So I just think that parallel is interesting. Real sports, especially with baseball and wrestling. Wrestling? Oh, yeah, sure. Baseball? Eh, not so much. Yeah, because baseball is also asking for a lot of money, whereas I, I can't imagine that the – I mean, the, the WWE TV deals are nice, but they're not – they pale in comparison to all the other major sports. It's with, with WWE and AEW, you're building in audiences that, you know, I mean, professional wrestling audiences are loyal. You know, we, we get the reputation that we're cheap, but I don't understand how we get that reputation because there are plenty of real belt professional wrestling belts that I see in, in audiences whenever those things ain't cheap, man, those things are expensive. So I, I think that, you know, we're a, we're a loyal fan base as pro wrestling fans. And you know, getting a million, million and a half, two million, whether you're SmackDown or AEW or Monday Night Raw is attractive to these cable operators because they, you know, they're kind of, they're trying to figure out how to navigate the new world. And while professional wrestling isn't true sports the way that MLB and NFL and NHL and all those are, it's close enough where people are tuning in, especially if you have someone like CM Punk, whereas, you know, Punk's first promo, I wanted to make sure I was watching it live. I didn't want to miss it and just catch the recap on social media. When you can build stars like that, people are going to want to tune in for that. And apparently CM Punk being on Monday Night Raw has been a huge driving factor in WWE, hoping that they can get a good chunk of change. And maybe that reopened the conversations with Warner Brothers Discovery. Now, the reports that are out there say for the TV deal that you know, Warner Brothers Discovery, they had a good meeting. They're not the only bidders in the process. So maybe they still end up going elsewhere. But it's interesting because just a couple of weeks ago, it seemed like WWE and Warner Brothers Discovery wasn't going to happen. And now it's back on the table with top people from Endeavor and Nick Khan from WWE meeting with them on Monday. Do you believe that we're going to have both companies, AEW and WWE, housed under the same umbrella? I, mean- I don't. I ultimately don't. 
My guess is ultimately somebody else, because I don't think, I don't think Warner Brothers Discovery wants to get rid of AEW. I think that they would probably do this in addition. Um, maybe they, you know, AEW doesn't get the, the the amount of money that they think they would deserve because some of that money ends up going towards WWE. But I could see Warner Brothers Discovery going, yeah, our cables, are, you know, TNT, TBS. We're going to have NHL. We're going to have, N- but maybe not the NBA anymore and professional wrestling. That's the thing, man, about the whole thing. And again, again just dipping in the weeds a little bit. We, I've heard, you know, and read a lot about Warner Brothers Discovery saying we could part with the NBA. We can move on and do something else and be in a different sport, which is to me dangerous to me because the NBA is still viable. Again, mm-hmm. you're not getting the big, you know, the big numbers ratings wise in the NBA unless it's real special. But the point is, though, is that, man, I'm just saying the what if. If you're Warner Brothers Discovery, I would at least consider it to be able to have WWE and AEW oh, yeah. in your portfolio. That'd be something because. Without Warner Brothers discovering, I don't know where AEW goes, Gabe. I mean, really. Correct. I don't know if that's because if it's Paramount that's connected to Showtime, which would be cool, but I don't know if Paramount has a stomach for that, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing, you can maybe they can go to Fox, AEW can do that. Fox didn't want wrestling. Think about Fox. Maggie Fox, the number one show on your network on Fridays or on networks is SmackDown. But it didn't get the numbers that Fox really wanted. Fox yeah. wanted they thought, okay, this is cool, and we're number one on Fridays between 7 and 9. Yeah, but it's not really the numbers we thought it would be. We thought we'd get 1997 numbers. and you're... Yeah. So, yeah. They they said, okay. And the other thing is they can put more sports on Friday night because that's what they want. They want their baseball, their, their college football on Fridays on main Fox. Well, yeah, especially as – like they try to figure out what to do with these expanded college football conferences and the rights they have with the Big Ten. Like they they want to be able to put something on Big Fox that's not scripted television. That because they're they're really heavily invested in a lot of those rights, especially in the college sports sphere. I mean, Warner Brothers Discovery kind of being your home for pro wrestling is really inter- a really interesting thought to me. And I think you could do some cool things with having those connections between w, you know, WWE and AEW. Again, maybe this is just the pro wrestling fan in me fantasy booking everything out. But ultimately, my guess is somebody other than Warner Brothers Discovery offers more for Raw. And that's and Raw is not going to be a part of this in the dream dies. And, and so to put a bow on it, lastly, the, the joke is, is that what if there was a deal that was brokered and, it, and CM Punk was the devil? We're all yeah. this umbrella. Fuck you. <laughs> never come back. Just make the cameo, right? Oh, yeah. Devil was CM Punk, and then he, he'll never see him again. He goes back to WWE. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going the same umbrella, so I could do that. I could do a little crossover. Mm-hmm. And I had to deal with it because you're both part of the same company. I'd love for this to be signed and get this deal done with both companies so we could have that. Like, wait, the hood comes off. It's CM Punk. Wait a minute. Yeah, I'm WWE. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious because they'd be great, but the whole thing with the TNA part of it, real quick, is almost surprising to me too. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! TNA brokered a deal, a deal, TNA plus, TNA plus, going with Endeavor Stream, which is one of the companies that Endeavor has. Crazy, yeah, crazy times. But I knew 2024 is gonna be wild times, and for the NWA to survive from the cocaine spot. And, and start taping stuff for CM for CW. CW. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. If the companies, if all three of those companies, or even all four, if, if all the pro wrestling companies started working together, like back in the territory days, I think that's only good for pro wrestling. Because a lot of times it happens where 
uh, well, you've kind of told all the stories you can right now. We need you to go away. But, you know, again, you could kind of make the rounds for the different companies. And I think it could be really interesting. Ultimately, it would never work because there's way too many egos of, yeah. of, of not just the wrestlers themselves, but the people who operate and run all the different companies. I don't think you'd be able to figure it out, but it's always fun to think about as a pro wrestling fan. Uh, some of the other news and notes. Um, so, with the all the success of, or at least the the promoing of the Iron Claw, which comes out later this month, John Cena, MJF, uh, spotted on the red carpet at a premiere earlier this week. Uh, the same company that made that A twenty four, they are going to be making a biopic about Mark Kerr, a former MMA star, and The Rock is signed on to play Mark Kerr. Hmm. You know that's very interesting. Um... The reason why it's interesting is like was Mark Kerr jacked? Was he jacked like The Rock is now? I, I I don't know enough about Mark Kerr. Like I feel I'm gonna dive in because I feel like this is a movie that I'm probably going to go see. Now they're in the very early phases, so it's probably not coming out for a year or two. But it's just very interesting that The Rock is is going to be playing an MMA star um, from the from the '90s. You know what? That works. That works for me. Yeah. I'm Rock in the in the octagon. Yep, that looks great to me. That looks yep. outstanding. Take my money. I'll grab my popcorn and soda and sit down and enjoy it. Oh, seriously. I think that's great. It, it was, by the way, in a kayfabe way, just kind of funny to see MJF hang out with WWE stars. Like, you, know, like you see him next to John Cena, and it's like, wow. It's it's really fun to see. And also, it also illustrates how short MJF is, even next to Morgan. <laughs> I, mean, we, I mean, the way he's shot, I mean, we know that he's not the biggest guy, but the point is... Yeah. Though, like Cena's like towering over him, like, hey pal, like that, and like Liv Morgan. Actually, MJF and Liv Morgan look good together on the red carpet. Yeah, absolutely. I like, yeah, I, I, I for one, by the way, I can't wait for Iron Claw. I am really excited to watch that. It comes out uh, like eight days, I think, on the twenty second. Yes. Um, I think that's going to be really good. Uh, you mentioned his name earlier, Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> is booking his first post-WWE appearances as he cut a promo that was on TikTok challenging someone um, to uh, fight him uh, at a match in Puerto Rico on January 20th for MCW, or for WWC and Euphoria. So we know at least the first Dolph Ziggler match is going to be January 20th in Puerto Rico. You going? You and the wife? Uh, No. Won't be making it down for, uh, for, for that on, Puerto Rico man. show. I need you to see wrestling in her country. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Come on, man. No, it, it will happen eventually because she will watch professional wrestling with me. Like it's she she will always and not even not not even complain. Won't complain anytime pro wrestling comes to town. Like, you want to go see it? Yeah, sure, let's go see it. Like she has a good time. So I we will have to make it down to Puerto Rico at some point and watch a big show. Maybe if WWE or AEW but does a big show back down there, maybe we'll travel for that. Uh and finally, tomorrow, ROH final battle. You are a subscriber. Should I subscribe? Should I be buying ROH final battle uh for their last pay-per-view of the year tomorrow night, which is exclusive to Honor Club? Thank you for reminding me. Uh, okay, another thing to watch. Um, yes, uh, you should. And the reason why is because you're there to see Athena. That's what it is. She is someone that deserves to be on the main roster. She's doing the best work of her career as a heel uh, and her in-ring work. I've told you many times in the show, I just think that she's been fantastic. And, and she was able to work out the kink. She is uh, was a babyface for a long time, but her heel work, Gabe, is really, really solid. So I just think that 
the match that she's going to be in is going to be solid. And, uh, you know, Ring of Honor, hey, they're doing great work. Except not a lot of people not watching it. I mean, <laughs> I'm watching it, but we don't bring it up very often because we know the masses aren't watching it. They need a TV deal like a hobo needs a ham sandwich badly. Well, and they were talking about how, you know, they discussed with CW about putting ROH on CW. So who the hell knows what happens uh, with a lot of these TV deals going forward. Which brings us to this, Jay Hood. Give me your matches of the week. And I'm going to have, I, I still haven't. Um, so I'm going to have a hard time narrowing this list down to three. Okay, I have 18. Do you have time? <laughs> yeah, yeah wait, I got plenty no, of time, pal. Yeah, no. I, I, I'm just going to, just for brevity, I will narrow it down to three. Um, and so just a real quick story. So, you know, I'm doing this Sunday show with Justin LaBar on Busted Open. We're having fun. Um, th- this is my home. Good karma wrestling. This is my home. Yep. Um, but it's just funny because the producer at Sirius XM is like, hey, guys, just so you know, um, Impact has final resolution from suburban Toronto. And just so you know, NXT deadline is in Bridgeport, Connecticut. <laughs> Uh, and just so you know, uh, God, what was the, the third show? It was Impact. It was um, NXT, uh, it, it was uh, and Collision. And Collision. Oh, and Collision, yeah. Brother, three screens watching wrestling at the same time. It's <laughs> three screens. Deadline. And you know how we do it over here. Over on this side of the show, you know, pick and choose, you know, find a match here and there. Yep. Watch the whole show was lost. who is that who is that like okay now you know jazz hands on on busted open but here we keep it real like hey all right we'll check out this match and we'll get back to you then like impact over here like in front of 100 people uh in toronto right Their, their final show before they turn officially back to tna watch that show then I'm watching Collision over here, and again, Bangers over there. So yep. three shows at one time. And I said, if Gabe was here, he'd be laughing at me because I'm breaking down NXT and Impact. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so. And funny. usually, on top of that, usually we make Browitz do that. Yeah, I'm like, although uh, you have stepped up again, you've stepped up and you've decided to be our ROH guy, and you know we salute you for. It. Oh my God, I was uh, I'm in a nice comfortable hammock here at Good Karma Wrestling, but then busted open up. No, know about everything. Tell about everything. Like, okay, great. All right. So I'll just give you this. Danielson against El Idolo was the best match I saw last weekend. Okay. This is out of three shows now. Like, yeah. Okay, now, that's a lot to watch. El Idolo and Danielson was the best match I saw. And, again, briefly, Danielson is a great job telling the story. What's the story? He's got an eye patch on. And so you don't want to touch that eye patch. Oh, the eye patch comes off. And now yep. El Idolo uh, pulling apart that eye making the eye bleed, and you're recoiling watching like, oh, not his eye, not his eye. There is the emotion of it, and that's why Danielson's so great. Um, the, the, the women's iron uh, match. Uh, the, the iron challenge? The iron challenge on NXT. The, the, the women were better than the men, but not by much. I just thought that was the best match that I saw on NXT deadline. And again, I got lost in some of the, the new people. I don't think that the main... By the time you got to Dragunov against Baron Corbin, I think the audience was just exhausted. Good sure. match. Good match. But it just like, you know, it, it just it enhances Dragunov. But I think that the women, boy, they go after this. Tiffany Stratton should be on the main roster. I don't know what they're waiting for. There's like two or three women there. Just I didn't like the finish of who won, but 
the person that stood out the most is Tiffany Stratton to me. She should be on the main roster. Remember, she took on Becky Lynch. She was yep. amazing. Oh, yeah. So the other one is the uh, the other match I saw on Saturday, which was great, was um, the Motor City Machine Guns, and they're both singles champions in Impact against Zach. What? Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, yeah, Alex Shelley is the heavyweight champion of Impact. <laughs> Had no idea. Yeah, I know. So, so there you go, right? Too much to my surprise. No, I hung <laughs> about for glory, so I know that. I know that much. I'm, I'm joking. So, yeah, Motor City Machine Guns against Zack Sabre Jr. and Josh Alexander. Kind of like a dream match. Like, you didn't sure. think that, but 20-minute classic. That was the main event for their show for a final resolution. Um, so fantastic. I know there's a lot more on Raw and other shows, but I just wanted to point at those three. Um, okay, so since you did Andrade Danielson, I will talk about a different match. I really liked Kenny versus All Ego Ethan Page mm-hmm. on that collision show. I thought that was really good. I, awesome that Ethan Page got that spotlight. I think he's been doing, I, I know he's got a, um, an I, is it an I Quit match uh, right. coming up on, on ROH tomorrow night? So I, I know he's doing good work down in ROH. I've always liked him when he's been featured on AEW television. He's gotten lost in the shuffle a couple of different times, but for him to get that big match in Canada against Kenny, I thought that was really cool. Uh, Mox versus Swerve last night, I thought for the most part delivered. I think they did kind of a a hinky finish, a little bit of a janky finish, just to kind of keep the intrigue going for when they have presumably the rematch in the semifinals of this. And for WWE, Drew versus Jay uh, on Monday Night Raw. Like back to back weeks with Drew McIntyre doing really good in ring work and also telling the story of how his character has changed. Um, I thought that was fantastic on Monday night. Did you like Mox and Strickland? Yeah, Mox versus Swerve. Yeah, last night I, I did. Uh, that was that's on the list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just one little note about these promos in AEW, especially when Ricky Starks is out there. God, there's no script there, man. I mean, I, I, he did this against Adam Copeland, and Copeland, you can see his frustration. Like, what's with this kid? Why is he? Why is he doing this? Like, I'm supposed, I'm the babyface. I'm supposed to get over, right? Let me just tell you, man. I mean, first of all, it's Chris Jericho and it's Kenny Omega, and Omega's a rotten promo, and he'll tell you that, right? That was a mess with him. Those it was so bad. Bill and Ricky Starks. It's like, what is this, man? What it is was this so bad. Thing? Like, I thought Dynamite was a pretty good show last night, other than that. I mean, I love the Enzo Amori line that was dropped by Jericho, but, like... But also, like, you, you just yeah. saw it coming. He was just, like, even though it seemed like, oh, I'm going to, oh, wait, wait till I hit him with this Enzo thing. You know, they, they already teased it with the side. I don't know. The, the whole promo was convoluted to the point where, like, I don't think they actually set up the match until no. Jericho just yelled at the end, we'll see you December 30th. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's that. That's the reason that, that they came out there to promote the pay-per-view match. Yeah. Like, I don't know, Gabe. It's just kind of like, this is when you have to do checks and balances. Here's the, No one's asking you to script, but here's your bullet points. Make sure you mention this. Don't talk about... You weren't going to talk about Jericho's outfit being Hot Topic or whatever the hell he said. Yeah. But, like, what the hell is this, man? Like, it ain't getting over. It's it just not. Just like... Hey, these are two classic guys, Jericho and Omega. You don't have to keep ripping each other. Just get to the point. We feel like we're the best tag team in AEW. You guys are great wrestlers. We're going to prove that we're the tag team champions and the best tag team in AEW. We'll see you on December 30th. That's it. Yeah. Like, they, they just got so lost in whatever they were trying to do. Yeah, they they didn't even set up the match. Like, just set it up. 
And it made me not care about that match. Now they'll have a couple of weeks to try to remedy that. Who knows if they actually do or not, because they've got so many other things going on now in AEW. Uh, next week is going to be a little bit of a different show. Um, but you, you know, make sure you tune in as you do each and every week across uh, all these different social media platforms. Don't forget to uh, su- subscribe and comment on our YouTube page as well. If you want to, if you're listening to this on audio, you can see that we do video along with it. But next week, as we get toward the end of the year, um, now if something wild happens, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But as of right now, the plan is to uh, it, it's our hundredth episode, so we're excited about that. But we're also getting to the end of the year, so we're going to have you know our our professional wrestlers of the year on the male and female side, our matches of the year, kind of a year in review type of show next week. So certainly looking forward to that. And anytime we do a show like that, it's I mean it's going to be a little bit of a tougher weekend, Jay Hood, because there are a lot of match of the year candidates, and you got to go back and, uh-huh. and try to re- review some of them. Yeah, like we got to review all the dynamite shows. <laughs> got to review everything from dynamite. Oh my god, because they're they're only doing three and four and five star matches every week, and so. Yeah. But it, but you know what? It's gonna be fun because we got to pour through this and do a little research. But you know what? There have been great matches, but it's all a victory for all of us wrestling fans that we can pick and choose because it's been a fantastic year. It has been a fantastic year. And I actually like doing it because I guarantee there's a match I've forgotten about that is an absolute banger. And it's going to come up on next week's show. Bro, it's will be back. Maybe we'll have an interview two or two as well to go along with this. Make sure, again, you comment and subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Good Karma Wrestling. This has been GKW. Go watch Impact. Huh?